uh, listen to audiobooks when I go to sleep. So mm-hmm. I guess, um, I don't know, running the Bluetooth kind of made it go crazy. Never had that problem before until now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. We talk 13. It's lit. Like what podcast? Hey, doing before, before, uh-huh, okay. be, before we get started, cool. finding that it's very important that people leave ratings and reviews. So please leave a rating and review. Help us out. Let us know what you think we can improve. Let, let us know what you like. Let us know um, how we're doing. You can rate us on, uh, I think it's on iTunes, um, Spotify, and Anchor, all those different channels. Leave us ratings, leave us reviews. Definitely appreciate it. Right, definitely. Let us know how we're doing, guys. Rate, review, all that. Every now and then I get DMs on um, Instagram. People say, like, oh, love the podcast. And I'm like, cool, because I don't really hear that much feedback. That is cool. People just listen. This one guy, um, I guess he's a professional soccer player. You might know who I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. he DM me the other day, asked me a question. So he loved, oh, really? Loved the, yeah. Loved, he asked me about making the video clips. Right, right, right. <laughs> I thought that was funny. So he loves the podcast, man. So All content do, matters, man. All content matters. Yeah, I told him maybe we should do an interview one day. He's like, cool. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. I think it'd be cool to, um, I mean, if there's certain people that, that have Twitters and that are interesting and they talk about really cool stuff, it'd be cool to kind of bring them on and talk about what they're tweeting about. Because, I mean, just seeing the tweet is one thing, but you never really get that context of the tweet. Um, there's always more to the tweet than what you put on the timeline. So, I mean, the same thing is true for me, is true for other people. So it'd be kind of cool to get some people on there, get maybe Chris Johnson on here, of course, get James Hunt on here. He has some pretty interesting tweets. Uh, just mm-hmm. cool, cool guys talking cool stuff. Yeah, and uh, next week we should be interviewing... Tasha from uh, Gotta Stay, Your Finances. It's lit. And, uh, yep, well, let's kick it off. So, let's start with this simple tweet. He said, go and do. I think I think that's in the Bible somewhere. I really want to look it up and see if that's in the, in the Bible. But... Um, one of my pastor, he he's really big on that, and I don't see it in here yet. Uh, let's see. Probably not. So, it was so the the genesis of that tweet was that. Um, so I got approached to work on the fundraising side of the um, Noir BNB company, right? And so they're looking to raise money for their organization. So they came to me, they wanted to see if we wanted to invest. And I mean, depending on what the terms are, I mean, that's not really our line of work. We're more so, uh, we invest in assets, hard assets that you can touch and feel. But my experience in doing everything that I've done, which is creating content, creating branding, um, going out there and bringing in money to, to do things has allowed me to become a person who's very knowledgeable and what you can and can't do in that space. So the crowdfunding space, the 
the reg A space, the reg D space. And so what I, what I realized is I didn't get that just by reading. I got that because I was out there doing, I was under the pressure, I was under the gun, I had to find, find answers. And that unique experience has allowed me to do so many different things. Um, and that's true in the fundraising space. And so that allows me to hop into that opportunity, which really it's work. It's work. They have a problem. I provide the solution. I get an opportunity. Opportunities look like work. Opportunities look like responsibility. So instead of running away from those things, we need to be running to those things. And so I just realized that by going through the work, by going and doing, by putting in the effort and the energy, I learned something. And a lot of that had to do with just in the conversation that I was having with him. He was making it seem as though money is the reason why they can't get to their goal. And I fundamentally disagree with that idea, but it's not my place to tell them that. I believe, and I told him this, I was like, do you know how Airbnb started? Airbnb was like an email service. It was like a Craigslist. It was not anything like what it is now. You get to that level by doing. You don't get to that level by throwing money at it. People think that money is their problem, but it's not. Creativity, being resourceful, being having ingenuity, that's what gets you there. And that's what's gotten Ty Capital there. I told somebody, I was like, Ty Capital isn't a business. It's my profession. I live this stuff. And so I'm going to be doing it no matter by any means. I was talking to Rashana Scott and she was like, you have taught yourself to do a lot of things within your business. Like I do a lot of the media. I do a lot of the videos. I do a lot of the, the graphics. Like I just had to do it because I knew what the goal was. And I knew that I'm not the kind of person that's going to let my lack of resources or let resources in general help me get there. Because even when you have money, you still got to move as though you don't have that money. You still got to move and you still got to be creative. And you still got to think you can't just throw your money at all your problems. And so that's what I was saying is like, bro, like you guys need to launch out. You got to make connections. You got to guerrilla style this thing and move forward. You need to be making connections, talking to people, promoting this thing daily. Like you can't expect to, their real goal is to build a platform that rivals Airbnb right now. And I think that that is not what the goal should be. The goal should be to get a customer, get a customer. What does that customer look like? Well, with Airbnb, your customer really isn't even the traveler per se, as much as it's the host. The host is really your customer. And so they need to get more hosts. Um, and it doesn't even have to be exclusively black owned. They could be black friendly, but right. that thought process, the thinking, that idea generation, that is where the value is. The value is out there, the thinking, the pressure, the stress, the frustration. I also tell people like there are people who invest alongside of us, but don't want to do the thinking. They just want to get the passive income and <laughs> they're selling themselves short because the true value is in the connections. I can do, so much in real estate in Detroit that has nothing to do with money just because of all the work that I've done. So in being stressed out trying to find contractors and being stressed out trying to lock down a property and being stressed out trying to manage property from long distance and being stressed out working through inspections, it looks like work and it looks like stress, but it's really just making you stronger. It's like we're in the gym. We're in the business gym. We're in the finance gym and we're lifting the weights and everybody else is like, I just want muscles. Like, bro, like go lift some weights, man. It takes no money to lift the weights. Yeah, and, and it's funny you say that because now every, all the connections know you. They don't know the 10, 15 people that put up the thousands of dollars. Right. 
All of the connections know me. And the connections, they always say your network is your net worth. They don't say all the money that you threw together is your net worth. I mean, kind of, yeah. But people that you know, the track record that you have, like, I know these people. I talk to them every single day. That is worth so much money. The game that I've gotten, that's free mentorship. People pay for mentorship. You can get the mentorship by doing the work. So you're 100% right. It's, it's not just the passive income. It's not just the, the, the ROI. I feel like we got to, we, we always, we always blame wealth. We always say, oh, we're losing because we don't have a bunch of money. That's not necessarily mm -hmm. true. Wealth isn't just having a bunch of money. Wealth is having power. Wealth is having influence. Wealth is having control. Wealth is having say so. That just happens to follow a lot of money. But it only follows a lot of money if you're an owner. There's a lot of people with a lot of money who are rich, but they don't have any say so. They have no control. They have no pool. All they are is a person with a lot of money. So having a lot of money is not the end all in itself, which therefore means that investing just for the money is not the end all. Right. That's why I invest how I invest. I invest because I want that shit forever. I want my kids to get this shit. I want my kids' kids to get this. Because that means if I'm passing them down stuff that generates income, they'll never have to worry about income. If they never have to worry about income, there's nothing they cannot do. So I just, I just feel like we got to really understand what wealth is and the purpose of wealth. And it's not just to have money to go on vacations. It's not. It's not just to have money to say, look at this Louis and this Gucci and this this. Nobody ever saved their community with a bunch of Louis and Gucci. If that was the case, we'd already be saved, fam. Uh, okay, so um, let me go back real quick for the people listening. I just want to touch on this real quick. Two things. Um, when Charles said he did a bunch of reggae stuff, he wasn't talking about Caribbean music. He's talking, <laughs> about, <laughs> he's talking about government regulations, like reggae, crowdfunding stuff. Right. Um, and also... You were saying this not the the whole um, the whole deal that fell into your lap wasn't really in your lane, but it's kind of the 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 idea of target capital eventually, right? To be like venture capital. Um, I would say more so private equity than venture capital. I mean, they're kind of the same thing, mm -hmm. but. Well, this is okay. So then, what did this kind of fall along those lines? Which which part? The Noir BNB stuff? Yes, absolutely. And and I think that that's one of the things that I realized is I was like, you know, I could be doing a consulting company, and and there are companies that do this, and we just specialize in helping people get funding. And I was like, that's big money because then you're taking a commission off of what you raise. So that means, let's say, for example, I get five percent off of the money that I raise, and I raise a hundred okay. million. That's, that's kind of a good year. And then you have people that were just, I, I hire people that are on commission because the rich don't work for money. It's not me going out there. Then I create a team that makes phone calls and they're setting up the meetings. And I said to walk in and get the meetings. And so um, I would say that I was on the train and as I was having this conversation with Rashana and kind of telling what I was walking into, what's crazy is the guy on the train, he has a movie and he was like, oh, so do you, uh, do you do like uh, film film funding? And I was like, I don't, but I guarantee you I could I could I could figure out how. 
I know the language. I know the finance of it. I know the legalities of it because I just have that as a background. I have like a background in finance, a background in accounting, and a background in law, and as well as getting an MBA. And so people wonder, like, well, why would you do all that stuff? Because it's going to eventually pay off. And so I would just say, like, yeah, the goal is because, I mean, I'm a, I'm a problem solver. So for me, when I was looking at getting into VC, it wasn't so much to say, oh, I want to find the next Uber. It was because mm-hmm. all through the media, you hear people talking about African-American uh, business owners not getting funding. So I'm like, well, I'll become the funding source. That's just me. I just become, I just try to become the solution. And I try to solve the problem because I feel like that's where the wealth is. But to, to just say that I want to be in VC, not so much. I like hard okay. assets. I'm not, okay. I'm not, because a lot of that speculation. And so, oh, yeah, I just, I, I don't know that. I'm not sure if I'm really like super, I want to be a VC guy. I like the idea of holding hard assets that worst case scenario, we can sell the building type deal. So are you, um, are you thinking, not so much on the private equity side then more just sticking more to hard assets so private equity can still allow you to invest in hard assets gotcha private equity is just where you fund deals right so okay like there's there's venture capital where venture is the actual business and there's private equity where we are able it's it's really like we're just investors but we're also owners so it's like you have uh, okay. debt side of investing, but then you also have equity side of investing. Equity allows you to participate in the upside of it. Debt just allows you to get your money back plus interest. I never want to just limit myself to the money back plus interest. And that's why when people come to me with deals and they're saying like, hey, I have this deal. I'll give you a 10% ROI. I'm like, that's not why I invest. I don't want 10% ROI. I mean, once I get really, really rich, then 10% ROI is attractive. Because once you get really, really rich, like you have $100 million and somebody gives you 10% guaranteed, I'm taking that all day. $100 million, 10% guaranteed is $10 million, and you don't have to do anything for it. That, that's when you start getting to that level. But when you're in like the get rich phase and the build phase, that's when you're looking for equity. That's when you're looking for growth. That's when you're looking for all that stuff. But again, I'm not looking to throw money at a business per se, but there are people that are willing to do that. And that's what they specialize mm-hmm. in doing. And it's my responsibility to take my knowledge of what they do, coupled with my just overall grow a business knowledge and get these companies in front of those people. But one thing you'll realize is I was having a conversation with uh, the person who is, in, is, is one of the people in charge of that company. And he was saying they already made contacts with Harlem Capital. They just didn't close the gap. So then if I step in on behalf of Noir BNB and I close the, between the, the gap between Harlem Capital, I'm doing the work, but I'm making a connection with John Henry. Mm-hmm. That is worth a lot of money. That is huge. If you have access to John Henry and all the dope people that he works with, you just step into a whole nother lane. And so that's why the go and do is so important because again, they get the money. I get commission from the money, but I also get the, the connections and who knows what I step into then by working Todd capital, by doing the podcast, by doing all this, I only talk to bosses daily. All I talk to is Rashana Scott. All I talk to is Torrance. All I talk to is bosses. John Deli is because I did the work. I didn't I didn't go out there and just try to be somebody's like whatever, like somebody's employee. Like, no, like I went out there, I created, I put myself out there and I'm growing. Even if you look at like the Thai Capital Millionaire podcast, we're constantly investing in that. And so now we've gotten more, we got another pretty big sponsor. Um, we're investing in the media, we're investing in all that stuff because we're doing we're doing just go do some stuff and you never know where you land 
the value is in the dude. Gary Vee has been saying it for years, and he's 100% right. Grant Cardone says the same thing a different way where he talks about taking action. Action is doing. Success follows action. Gotcha. So, um, quick question. You're talking about the guy, the, the, the movie. Was that the trailer you, you tweeted? Yeah, it, that's exactly what that was. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that was. He, uh, I, was I was wondering what that was. Yeah, I was, um, I mean, I want to help him out. And, and it's like, as I started to kind of think who I knew, I actually know a girl who I went to college with and she works in like production in Hollywood. And so that's just one lane to get the ball rolling. As you're out there getting your nose and trying your pitch and trying to get in front of people, it just, it just, it furthers you, it, it furthers your career. You can get further whether it's through actual success or if it's just through trying to be successful. And so like, I was like, Oh, I could talk to her. She works. She has connections with Netflix. She has connections with people who produce the Grammy. So if you get in touch with those people, they refer you to people. And I was telling the guy, I was like, it's not a matter of finding that one of that two people. We need to go find 20 people, talk to those 20 people. And one person will say yes. Two people will say yes. I always take a goal and 10 exit. We're not looking for one goal. We're looking for, uh, we're not looking for one person. We're looking for 10 people. We're not looking for $10,000 in money to fund no Airbnb. We're looking for a million. We're chasing a million, 10,000. And then the crazy part about it is I'm having a conversation with somebody and they're like, oh, I got five. And yeah. I was like, see, you don't aim for 10. If you aim for 10, you, somebody will give you one. If you aim for a million and you put that value on what you're building, people will rise to the occasion. You'll find people. There's people out there with bread. Mm, yeah. And was that the um, the tweet you 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 posted about stepped into an opportunity just now? It's work, but that's what an opportunity is. Right. The yeah, the Nor BNB one. Yeah. And I didn't expect that to even. And see, that's the crazy part about it is like I was I, I was just thinking Nor BNB. I was like cool. And then I get approached with another opportunity. I was like, this could be a business. This could be another yeah. function of Tide Capital. I gave him my Tide Capital card, which says that I'm uh, the fund manager at Tide Capital, which is basically what I am. And so it's like. Um. Yeah, that it was the new Airbnb. But the thing is, is I just want to see it grow. I wasn't even like he was like, yeah, you can get paid for uh, bringing in the funds. I was like, I wasn't looking at it like that because I don't look for the money first. I look for the opportunity first. I know the money fun money comes. If the money doesn't come through that opportunity, it'll come to the next one. But when I think about it, I was like, I should. I can get one percent, two percent, whatever I raise. Raise a million. One percent of a million is what? Ten grand. Something like that. I don't know, but we'll talk about it. The million, I, I kind of want. Yeah, I'll probably take like 10, 20 grand, maybe more, maybe five percent. But it's worth your time and effort to create another stream of income that's going to bring you fifty grand, on top of all the other sources that you have. But that's it. I just kind of, I just kind of put myself out there, and I realized like I have the credentials and the ability to do this. I have a law degree. I can do the contracts. I have a law degree. I have a degree in finance, so I can do the numbers. But anyway, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. He also tweeted, I have, a un- I have a unique hybrid of skills that allows me to do a combination of finance and law projects. Exactly. That's the, perf- that's the perfect example. Right. So he's like showing me his pitch deck. And so like the crazy part about it is he sent me his pitch deck and then the Airbnb has a pitch deck as well. So then it's like I started doing pitch deck consulting companies, uh, services. So yeah, when I was working in private and uh, in the family office, we were doing a lot of PPMs which is a private placement memorandum, which is basically a legal agreement. It has a lot of disclosures, has a lot of different disclaimers. And so like I have the ability to draft those. 
Um, but then also I had the ability to do the the finance, which I'm actually, we're central working through my timeline. It's kind of funny because I was in a, in a Uber this morning. And so the Uber was asking me questions about like what I do when I was telling him, and he was like, Oh, so you, you buy real estate. You must have some investors. Like you yeah, have investors. He's like, Oh, well, like, uh, who, uh, who helps you manage those? I was like, I do it myself, man. I know how to write a contract. I know how to work with the financial. I know how to determine the ROI. I know how to analyze a deal. Like I just know how to do all these things. Cause I've been in school for the last 30 years of my life. So like, it was just funny because it is it's a hybrid of skills and people are like, well, how is that going to work together? Like, I don't know. We're going to figure it out. And we are, which is another tweet that I posted where um, the goal is to have the Todd law firm eventually. So, um, and that's the exposure tweets, which you can kind of read that, but um yeah. The, the tweet kind of said something along the lines of like exposure expands you right so the more that you're exposed to the bigger that you can become but the thing is is sometimes the best expo exposure comes when you volunteer your time when you volunteer yourself and one way that I did that is I took a an, an unpaid internship <clears throat> when I was in law school at this dope firm dope firm it was a um I'm not sure what the firm is called now. When I was there, it was called. Do you want to say the name? <laughs> Do you really want to say the name? I mean, I don't see why not, but I guess I'll okay. I won't say it. But okay. Um, so I worked there as an Irvine. It was a law firm, but what was cool about this law firm is it was part hedge fund, part law firm. And so while I was there, they knew I had a background in finance. So I wasn't doing a lot of the litigation stuff, which can be kind of tedious. I was more so doing like the mergers and acquisitions because this firm was buying law firm after law firm after law firm. They were just building up their firm through acquisition. And so I was working on the acquisition side and it was really dope, great experience, but I'd never seen it because they owned, they had the entire floor of the sixth floor, I think. And one side was the law firm and the other side was their investment firm. And I was like, that's what I want. And I got that exposure. Cause if you don't ever see that, you don't even know it exists. You're like, it either has to be a law firm or investment firm and that's it. I was like, wow, like I want that. And the crazy part about it is all the work that I've been doing through Tide Capital, when I eventually do launch that law firm, it's a no brainer because I have all that brand equity through Tide Capital. So I would just say that I got that by just exposing myself. So what I've found is if you become what you're around, you need to get around some more dope stuff on purpose. Don't just do it like casually. If you live in LA, if you work in LA, you need to be going to Beverly Hills and having lunch. You need to be going to um, the, the nicer establishments and having dinner and having drinks. You don't need to be, need to be in the slums. That was one of the worst things, like, cause I've always been that kind of a guy. When I used to work at Chase in downtown LA, I used to work with um, a lot of lesser, nah, I don't know how to really explain it, but I, I used to work with people who they would go to like dive bars after work. And they would always go to dive bars. They would never go anywhere but dive bars. I just, I couldn't understand it. Um, and I started kind of going with them and it was fun, but it's like, that's just, that's not how I want to live. Especially in downtown LA where there's so many nice things to do. And so yeah. I kind of just started branching off and doing myself and going to lunch at the standard and doing nicer things because when you're around that stuff, it just raises your level of awareness and you become what you're around. So I choose to put myself around the stuff that I want to become. Hey, I mean... You, you don't get an inspiration at a dive bar. No, you don't. You don't. And the connections you make at a dive, uh, the dive bar is, is 
uh, spotty at best. Like one hundred percent hit and miss. You might nope. you might meet some you might meet somebody big at a dive bar, but the chances. I was I was single at that time, so like the women you meet at a dive bar. <laughs> I can imagine. There's a reason why it's dark lighting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. Oh man, you, like you said, nothing that you do for free is unpaid. I, um, I 100% agree with that statement. Um, because you're going to get your money, whether it comes through another opportunity or whether it comes through your skill sets being able to be leveraged. Um, I, I'll never forget when I started the LLC branch of the Thai Capital Organization, the Thai Consulting, I started out by doing a bunch of free LLCs. So I just did like, as many free LLCs as I could get. I just opened it up to Twitter. I said, hey, who wants an LLC? I'll do it for you for free. But what people don't realize is I learned how to do an LLC in each state by doing that. At that point in time, I only knew how to do it in California. And so I was getting hit all over the country. People were like, well, I'm in, I'm in Florida. I'm in Texas. I'm in this state. I'm in that state. And so I was just like doing it. And now when people would approach me with a different state, I was able to say, okay, I can do that state. I don't need to just stick my stick to California. And so what I realized is like, this is what I've always known is like Eric Thomas says, you discover your gift, you refine your gift and you give it away. So the investment club, I gave it away until I didn't have to anymore with the real estate club. In a lot of ways, I've given that away until I don't have to anymore. And a lot of ways I've given away value in the investment club. Like, yeah, I make money, but yeah, I give away a lot. I do the property management for free. I do the construction management for free. I do um, all the contracts and the LLC formation for free. And so what I'll say is that even though it was for free, I absolutely get paid now. 100% get paid now because now I'm 33 and I'm still very young and the world is my oyster, but I have so much experience. So I have a conversation with somebody and I'm over here just rattling off all the things that I have done. Now what I know, what I've done is two different things. So mm -hmm. that brings more opportunities, which brings more money, which brings more money on top of that money. So I get paid that way. And, and anybody listening, like, that's why you shouldn't shy away from what you're doing on our most recent podcast with, um, with uh, Ashley, Ashley, uh, Ashley Ann. She was doing events and she would, people would hire her for an event and she would say, I'll oh, just pay me whatever you want to pay me. She wasn't over like, nah, I'm, I'm worth this much money. She wasn't worth that much money until she was actually worth that much money. You're not worth anything until you have so much demand that you have to put a price on your time because otherwise you couldn't get anything else done. And so that's where we are with the investment club. Like it's gotten so big that I literally cannot even justify doing it for free anymore. So that's what allows us to demand the money that we want to demand. And for anybody else, like you have to grow so big, which allows you to then kind of command what you want. So the thing is, I would say is you got to, you got to, you don't necessarily have to pay your dues per se, but dues will be paid. <laughs> <laughs> dues will be paid. Oh man. So, I mean, I wasn't going to talk about it, but you also said, People always ask what I do because I'm always swagged out. <laughs> Dressing well brings opportunity your way, fam. I love that you're like, 
I've been tweeting a lot, maybe because I'm trying to get my followers back up, but it's true. Um, I, I've always been this way. Um, and we've just always been raised to present ourselves well. Um, but what I found is like, people were always asking like, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And mm-hmm. I tell them, but I found that like, you can get opportunities by being smart. You can also get opportunities by looking the part and playing the part. Um, it's great when you do both. And for and when I was younger, I, I kind of only did like the former, which was looking the part. Uh-huh. Um, and then I kind of committed to just becoming great and, and being better, which is so funny because I always tell people like, I've always had nice suits. I've had nice suits since I got out of college. So like the whole nice suit thing isn't isn't uncommon to me, but I just had to I had to get my degrees up. I had to get my education up. I had to read, which I think that reading is it's like a requirement. You got to read like it's work. That's what I'm finding. Like everything that I know and everything that I've been able to execute on is because I just read my ass off. And as soon as we get off this, I'm definitely going to read that um, Nipsey Hustle book. But oh uh, right, right, right. Yeah, I would just say that like um. It, it's it's just interesting because I've noticed a lot of people keep asking what I do for a living. A lot of people approach me. A lot of people are like, oh, okay. Because unfortunately, man, <clears throat> these folks are embarrassing, man. I was on the train today and there was this young girl in there and she was just so loud. And maybe it's because she was young and she wanted attention, but like she was just so loud and like so like her conversation was just so ignorant. And like I'm over here sitting across from this white lady and there's this little girl in the back like talking about saying the N-word this and F that and my baby this, daddy this, and he about to get out of jail and he this. And I was like, man, I was like, because people don't realize like when other people look at us, they don't make the distinction. We automatically get grouped into that. Right. Automatically just like, like, oh, you're that. Until, until you have a conversation with them and you talk to them. But it's just, it's unfortunate because the brand of us is, is not the best of us. And so my goal, of course, in Blessed Black Man is to rebrand that because there's just a lot of folks out there who ain't really trying to uh, put on for the culture. So, I mean, that also kind of goes to what we're talking about, where dressing well brings opportunities. Um, I feel like we have to feel as though my image reflects all of us. So it's kind of like that um, Eric Thomas thing where he was talking about how Asians do well because they have this mindset that if they don't do well, they shame the dynasty, not their family, not just themselves, the dynasty. We're out here being individuals, but people don't really see us as individuals. We act as though we're individuals. People don't see us as individuals. Like the world doesn't change just because your opinion of what it should be changes. Like the world doesn't change just because you feel like women don't need a man. The world doesn't change just because you feel like, kids don't need fathers like the world is the world is the world you're going to get results based off what the world is not based on what you think and so i would just say we gotta we gotta approach life as though we're putting on for the culture not just though we're putting on for ourselves because each of us reflects all of us i hear that um so i want to say a little bit like almost completely off topic. So I posted something 
earlier today on IG. This is a like way off topic. I was talking about black women equal payday. Mm-hmm. So I saw this graphic and it's showing um, for every $1 white man gets paid, white woman gets paid 80 cents and a black woman gets paid 61 cents. Mm-hmm. And my thing was, who do we see missing from this graphic? Who, why are they not talking? There's no conversation ever about black, how much black men get paid in comparison. Mm-hmm. I was wondering what that, like, what's that about? Like, it's even um, that movie came out a few years ago, uh, Hidden Figures. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that one. It's about the black women that worked for NASA. They were mathematicians, all this stuff. But they didn't mention, they they don't really talk about there were black men working there too. Right. You know, I was just wondering, like, why is it cool to just... It's an agenda, fam. The problem is black women don't realize that they are a part of their agenda. I, I realized something today, and I realized that folks are sheep, man. Like, people are really just waiting for the next command. Like, a lot of people don't have style. They just copy what other people are doing. And one of the things that I realize is, that like, if people are sheep, then they'll follow what you say, even if it's bad for them. And so I realized that. I was like, dang, like, people literally just follow anything that they see. So I was like, people follow anything that they see, then you just got to put some stuff in front of them and they'll follow it. You got to put smoking cigarettes is great. And people don't think it's do until they hear otherwise. And so what I've realized is, <clears throat> and what I always say, is that you have the Garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden, the snake ruined Adam's household through the woman because she was just able to be tricked. And a lot of women are able to be tricked. And our households have been, been ruined in a lot of ways because they've just gone through women. And so why do I say that? I say that because <clears throat> a lot of women benefit from a system that economically castrates African-American men. And the problem with that is not that it, the system does that. The system is what the system is. The problem is that women will make it seem as though their accomplishments are greater than their men because they benefit from a system that benefits them. Does that make sense? Uh, said. So what I'm saying is like, it's kind of like white privilege. So it's like you have white privilege, which disenfranchises other, disenfranchises other people. But then you also have black women privilege that kind of puts African-American men behind them. If we can look at white privilege and say, oh, that's unearned. So it's not actually better than me. Then we should also look at like black female privilege as the same. I don't say that because... I don't want women to be successful. I do. I say that because it puts the narrative in the proper context. The reason why I think it's important to understand that point is because a lot of women dismiss men who aren't necessarily failures, failures who don't have any personal failings. It's just they don't benefit from the system. So if they don't benefit from the system, it's not that they're lesser. It's that the system just isn't set up for them to win. And we can all agree with that. But the problem isn't that that's not true. 
it's that instead of us figuring out ways to help black men, we figure out ways to shame them and make it seem as though it's their fault. And so we have a culture that pushes black men to figure it out for themselves and do it for themselves and good luck inward. And we also have a culture that pushes black women forward and supports them and says black girls rock and make sure the daughters are taken care of and make sure the daughters have great cars and make sure the daughters have everything they need. Meanwhile, the guy's out there fending for himself. That's fine. If that's how you want to raise your daughters, that's fine. The only thing I'm saying is that you aren't better than a guy who had to get it for himself if you didn't have to get anything for yourself. And that's something that I've realized. Interestingly enough, as men grow older, they tend to kind of hit their stride. It doesn't really happen until like they're in their 30s. So like your 20s, you're kind of spinning your wheel. Raphael, you probably be able to attest this, you're older than me. But like, I feel like you don't really, as a man, start getting traction until you're like in your 30s. You start making good money and you've already kind of accumulated things. When I was in my 20s, I felt like every time I got a check, I had to buy something that I needed because I didn't have like dress shoes. I didn't have suits or I didn't have this. Now, like I already have the staples. So if I make money, I don't, it's not like I have to go out there and buy furniture. I got furniture. I don't have to go out there and buy a TV. I got TVs. I got, I got all that stuff. I got a car. And so like you kind of get your traction because you're established now. So I, I think that we should definitely support women. We should definitely push them to have equal pay, but you can't have a successful family with only one wheel. You need both wheels. And we have a community with only one wheel. But the problem is people think that having a really, really big one wheel is going to take us far, but it just keeps us going in circles. And that's a bar. <laughs> it's funny, man. I saw a, um, I saw a flyer thing yesterday. It was like, um, I think it was at the library and I saw a flyer said like free, it caught my eye. It said free home buyers, free first home buyer seminar, free seminar, first home buyer seminar. I said, oh, okay, let me take a look. This sounds cool. I, as soon as I get to it, it says, um, like, for women. And it said black women, but, you know, it's like, I'm like, oh, man. I just, I don't understand it, man. I don't understand it, but I allow it. Because we don't really have a choice. But it's our responsibility to save us. Just like it's black people's responsibility to save black people, it's black men's responsibility to save black men. So I don't even expect, and that's the crazy part about it. If we really think about it, it's, it's the same. People just look out for them for their own. Like I always have this quote where it's like, people aren't against you, they're just for themselves. So black women right. aren't necessarily against black women, against black men, they're just for black women because that's what they relate to. That's what they know the most about. That's what they can appreciate the most. So it's like, it is what it is, but we got to make sure that we are taking care of our own. We can't be black men who are out here like, man, you got to get it together, brother. I did it. You got it. Like that's how a lot of, a lot of black women, a lot of black men are raised like that. Like I figured it out by myself. You could figure it out too. Have you ever heard that line before? Yeah. I've heard that line. Yeah. It's one of yeah. the most ignorant shits ever. It's like that quote that I think you posted is like generational wealth is where your kids start where you ended off, not where you started. And a lot of us are, are told to start where they started, not where they ended up. And so I just feel like it sucks, but I said it before. I was like, these women ain't slowing down, fam. They are only right. up there, linking up. They're growing together. And they're like, if I can't get it from a man, because keeping it 100, a lot of brothers, they don't, they, they aren't, a lot of brothers aren't like us, Raphael. 
a lot of brothers aren't like us. They talk about bullshit. They engage in bullshit. They go to the club and chase all the dumbass women. Like they're not building. They're not growing. They're not focused. They're just chasing the next nut. (laughs) So it's like, it's, it's unfortunate, but there's not a lot of people like us. Some of the conversations, man, is just, I can't even, can't even talk to them sometimes. Yeah. But it's funny, um, like you're saying, people aren't against you, they're for themselves. So, you know, it's, it's kind of understandable, especially if black women feel like, you know, they've been, they've been uh, downtrodden, abused, and so forth and so forth. So it's understandable. Uh, at least they're looking out for each other. Right. But it's like one thing real quick I, that I, I do hate, which is a little off topic. Um, I, I don't know if you've seen these T-shirts. I've seen like T-shirts saying like the black woman is the most abused, mm-hmm. unloved, or something like some craziness like that, like the most abused, badly treated, unloved woman on the face of the earth person on the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, even if that was true, why would you wear it on a t-shirt and walk around like that, man? Yeah. Like, come I've, on. I've always wondered, I think the goal for a lot of women, because women, women get what they want differently than how men get it. Women get what they want by appealing to other people to give it to them. I mean, that's, I mean, if they want to go on a date, they appeal to somebody through their looks or through whatever to get it. If they want to get a new purse, they appeal to it by, they appeal to somebody, but to get it. And so that's what, that's what I found. Like women, they get what they want differently. And so that's why like that stuff. And even I've even, I've even gone so far as to say like back, back before Trump was elected, the whole like liberal movement and the whole like, Oh, we're, we're victims. And, you guys are privileged. And it's like, it was just appealing to people to give them stuff. And a lot of that stems from a community that was raised by nothing but women, not raised by men who go out there and get it. Men don't go out there and get it. If you give it to them, they get it because they got to get it. And it's not to, it's men and women are different. Like neither is better or worse. We just go about getting what we want out of life differently. And so that's one thing I realized is like, that's why a shirt like that is really a cry for help. They're really saying like, we're treated really bad. So please stop treating us bad. Please treat us good. It's like they say that people don't want equality. They want privilege. And so like, they don't, they don't want, cause they got equality. We all exist in equality, fam. Like we all exist in equality exists now. It's just a matter of like, taking it. Is it hmm? Taking it or what? Right. But it's like, right. I think that that's what I was trying to say is like, we exist in equality, but it's like, if you're, if your equality is based off of somebody giving you something, then you you might not ever get it unless you get it through a man. And if they can't get it from a black man, they got to get it from a white man. So I think Switching I want to Ferragamo will make some fly stuff, man. I kind of want a Ferragamo belt. I got a Ferragamo birthday. <laughs> this thing is nice. It's like the the crazy part about it is like, yeah, the stuff is expensive, but it is quality. I'm not even gonna lie. The stuff it, it you can tell. 
from the material to the construction. Right. It's, yeah. You're not just paying because it's expensive. It's not right. conspicuous consumption. Although it kind of right. is because you're looking, you're buying it for the belt buckle. But yeah, yeah. If one part conspicuous, another part fly. <laughs> I think that might be a little bit the same thing, but um, I definitely contradicted myself. Part part quality, part quality. Let's take a quick break. This is Elwood of Mindset Matters Tees. We offer merchandise with quotes that help shape your mindset. You can find us at www.mindsetmatterstees.com. So you um, reposted this thing from Aisha Southern. I want to touch on the comments before we actually talk about the actual post. Okay. So I guess she said, do you know the immeasurable value of your tenants' children seeing a landlord that looks like them? And then in the comments, one guy said, yeah, that one of his tenants' son, son asked him to buy him, buy him a bed. Hmm. But the mother was late on rent this month. What should I what do you think I should do? Like he was asking an opinion and it kind of went a little off where he, I think he, was, he wanted to go. And it was funny cause you, one of your posts, one of your posts was like writing letters to his father, but I thought that was funny, but nobody really seemed to pay attention. I said, don't, don't buy him the bed ever. Mm-hmm. And people were asking me like, what would you say that? I'm like, it's just like, inappropriate mm. in my in my in my view like it's kind of an awkward thing and what people aren't thinking about is like how do we know how the mother or especially even the father maybe the father doesn't live there but how does he feel is some 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 other man buying his son a bed mm-hmm. you know you know brother it, um I I feel like one of the most important, the interesting thing about it is the idea that whether the mom paid the rent was even relevant, because I don't really think it's relevant. Like, I don't, I don't really connect the two. Um, what I, what I was kind of concerned with is I, I just want to end the ep- epidemic of single moms. I'm tired mm-hmm. of it. I'm tired of it being so common. I'm tired of people thinking that that's just the go-to. And then what really pisses me off about this shit is that women leave men and then they expect the world to fill the gap. Right? So it's like, it's, it's, it's contradictory. You can't say that you don't need a man, but then you can't fulfill everything that child needs. Mm. If you didn't need a man, then you would be able to give that child everything it needs without a man. And so if you don't have a man because you apparently don't need one, but then you have to get your food provided by the government, or then you have to get your grandparents to buy school clothes, or then you have to get your whoever else to watch them on certain days, you're fucking lying. And the problem is with this whole equality movement 
women have been made to think that they are men. They've been made to think that, that, that they alone are enough. And they're in, in doing so, they feel as though in needing a man that they're less than a woman. And that's where the dynamic kind of really falls apart is women feeling that if they need a man that they're less than a woman when the two don't even make, they don't even go together. Like you can be all the woman that you need to be and still need a man. And the same is true. Like you can be all the man that you need to be and still need a woman. We need each other, fam. I told my wife, I was like, I need you. I can't do this without her. And that doesn't make me any less than a man. It actually makes me probably more of a man. And I think that the same thing could be true of a woman. But the thing is, they've kind of been brainwashed to think equality this, equality that. So for me, that whole, like, the whole buying a bed thing, it pisses me off. Because where's the father? Why isn't the father buying a bed? The father should be doing whatever he needs to do to, to get him a bed. It should not be the responsibility of another man to provide a bed for somebody who has a father. Unless that father is dead, or unless that father, and not even, even if he's in jail, unless he's dead. And until we take hard stances like the one you took and said never, like until we take hard stances, people will keep doing bullshit and expecting us to fucking fill the gap for them. And it, it really boils me up on inside because it's just so common. No child to be without a bed. No child to be without a bed. And so I don't know who needs to humble themselves and who needs to get it together, but that's a parent issue. And that's why I said, like, we need to talk to his father. We need to figure out, because there's a problem in society where we have men who don't take care of their children and we just kind of like, okay with it. We have men who aren't who have kids that are going without and they still get invited to the cookout like nah fam like you don't need to be going to no cookouts no chilling for you go to work if your kids don't have <laughs> you need go to work you don't get days off you don't get weekends you don't get holidays you don't get labor day fam you got kids need to eat so until your kids are good you need to be at work you need to be doing uber so that's that's why i kind of took it that way i was like i didn't even really i'm not concerned with the rent because that's another thing I was like, where's the dad at? And I see that a lot in our tenants. I was like, how do you not have the money to pay the rent, but you got a husband and your rent 700 bucks? How do you not have the money to pay the rent? And you got a boyfriend, you're pregnant. Like where, where's the dude at around here? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just, okay. it, it, it kind of upsets me because it's just so common. Go Chargers. <laughs> but everybody ignored your comment though. And you said right letter to the father. Nobody, yeah. nobody answered it. It was, it was kind of funny to me. I'm like, why nobody noticed? I'm like, why nobody noticed that one? But everybody's talking about, oh, bless him with a bed. Most of them were like, oh, bless him with a bed, with anonymously, by a cheap bed. I'm like, no, man. We need to get to the root of that problem because the thing is, is the bed is just a symptom. What else is he lacking? People don't realize, like, Fathers provide more than just the money. Fathers provide more than just beds. Fathers provide more than just the material stuff that you see. Where's his self-esteem coming from? Where's his confidence coming from? Where's his ability to be a man for a woman coming from? Where's his ability to love a woman unconditionally coming from? Where is he learning this stuff from? He's not. He's not. He's going to become a pretty man. And he's going to have to find him a strong woman. Mm. Ugh. reference what we discussed last week because it's like there's nobody to teach him 
I have this this theory, you know, it's like the the book, The Ugly Ducking, Duckling, where you have this swan hanging around ducks, thinking it's a duck. And I think there's a lot of like men who are being raised by ducks thinking they're ducks. Like, no, fam, like you're you you are a man, but there's nobody out there for you to model yourself after except for your thug homies. And they become thug homies or they become like the ducks, but they don't become what they should be because there's no men around them to groom them. So, I mean, I think we kind of beat that dead horse, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like we have deeper issues that we need to solve. And we really got to be honest about those issues. Um, Dave Chappelle was talking about the whole like men and women equality thing on his new thing. And he was talking about <laughs> how like if women were equal to men, they wouldn't need to be a WNBA. They could just hoop with us. And <laughs> the interesting thing about it is in that capacity, men and women aren't equal. But that doesn't mean that women aren't valuable. And that's all I'm trying to say. Like, we might not be equal in the same areas, but that we're both valuable. Women are so necessary. Like, what my wife does stuff I would never even think about doing. She's like, I went and bought a plant. I was like, I don't even got time to think about a plant. I work so much. But, like, she adds so much value to my life. And I feel like I add a lot of value to her life. But we don't add the same value in the same capacity. We add different value. And as long as we appreciate the differences that we bring to the table, instead of only saying, oh, we're not the same because we're never going to be the same, then we can't really, like, reach our full potential. There's a lot of value in having a mate. Right. And um, to bring it back on a positive note, the original quote, let me change it up a little bit. Do you know the immeasurable value of your black tenants, black children, seeing a landlord that looks like them? What do you think of that? I I think that goes back to what I was saying about it's bigger than just the money that you make. It's like, are you making a difference? Are you making money or are you making a difference? And for me, the money is just a byproduct of making a difference. And like, if we focus on making a difference, Like, that's wealth to me. We have so, we have a community full of problems. Like, let's not even focus on getting money to buy stuff. Let's not even focus on getting money to buy a Rolls Royce. Let's focus on getting good schools for our kids. Let's focus on getting safe communities for our kids. Because I guarantee you, as you do those things, you get rich. The reason why other communities have so much wealth is because they've solved all their problems. They might have charged somebody for them, but they've solved them. And so I think that it's just great, like, for her to say that because it just speaks to the wealth that's not monetary. And it also speaks to the generational aspect of just being an example. So it's one thing to like leave generational wealth. It's another to show somebody what's possible. So those kids are going to be changed, not because somebody left them money, but because somebody went out there and showed them it's possible for them. And so that's what the podcast is about. That's what this podcast is about. That's what the Ty Capital Millionaire podcast is about. It's just showing people what's possible for them. And that is worth more than money to me. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like you said, it doesn't have, everybody remember, it doesn't have to be in your bank account to be wealth. Yeah, yeah. man, that's such, a, that's such a bar. I wish people would really understand that. We, playing, we are playing the game of net worth, not just liquidity. Yeah. I never forget Ponji Barnes told me that she's like, she doesn't flip, but she doesn't like actually sell it. She doesn't, and she doesn't refi it either. She just buys something undervalued, puts the rehab in it, 
And then she's over here with $100,000 on paper. I'll never forget. It's one of the most profound statements that Erica has said. She said it on her, her YouTube. I was listening to it today. But she also said it to me in a personal conversation. And she, she was saying, like, the lender or the borrower that you become on paper after you get a deal isn't the same borrower that you are before the deal. So what she was saying is that basically when you have no assets, it's harder to get a loan. So the hardest one is to get that first, that second, that third. After you get those, you're coming to the bank as somebody who already owns three homes. And so the conversation's a lot different. You have more collateral, you have more resources, you have more cash flow. It's not just your working income now. Now it's like, oh, well, I, I get five grand a month in rental income, plus I also have my other job, plus I have a business. So the conversation changes. And if you, I don't know if people really understand what I'm getting at, but it's like, if you have the ambition that I have, which is a lot of units, a lot of doors, a lot of uh, cash flow. If you only focus on where you are now, it's tough to fathom that. But if you focus on where you are, once you're worth a lot of money on paper, it'll help you get that ball rolling towards deal number one. Yep. So we need to wrap it up a little bit. And um, you need to come to New York. That's the next thing. We need to do a ton millionaire event in New York. Man, I'm like traveling all over the world. I'm about to be in Baltimore. How far is Baltimore from New York? That's a ways. I mean, I mean. On a train? That's still kind of a ways. That's still kind of a ways, man. Unless you're going to do like uh, multiple days. It's not like a, it's not like a, like a two, it's not like a one-hour drive or something like that. So. I'm not sure how long that is, actually. It's probably a couple hours, at least, driving. So unless you're going to be like one day in Baltimore and one day in New York. I might have to do that. It might not be worth it. But you do have the um, Los Angeles meetup, September yeah, 24th. September 24th, right? Rashana Scott's coming out from Chicago. And also, you said there's going to be a celebrity guest. I'm not supposed to even really um, announce that, but we're, we're putting some stuff in works. Hopefully, um, we can get a lot of people out. Um, she's flying out. I've had a meetup that had a ton of people and I had a meetup that had a few. So, um, I mean, each of them are valuable. If, if, if I have lunch with somebody who we're talking real estate, it's a valuable conversation. So... Um, I would just say you guys definitely check us out. It, you can find it on Eventbrite. You can also find it on the link tree, either on the personal page or the business page. Tickets are only 10 bucks. Like, and all that money is being used just to make sure that we have food for you all. So, and that's actually a pretty good deal because a lot of times you go to these things, you got to buy like your own entree, your own everything. And I think that's stupid. I wanted you guys to come there. We have the food already laid out. You just got to buy your own drinks and just network. Right, right, right. So that's September 24th? Yes, sir. At the Lux Hotel? Yes, sir. It's a very, very fly venue with a very fly. It's nice. I don't do no, I told y'all I do fly shit. So it's a fly venue and a fly location. Come there, be sexy. Um, we actually have a lot of really pretty girls who come out. So uh, <laughs> we ain't no success. If you want to like, you know, talk real estate with pretty women 
who are very successful in their own right, you might want to come. Might want to come. And I believe it's free, it's free for Tug Capital members? It is. It is. Right. I mean, even at 10 bucks, I mean, come on, you can't pass that up. Right. And you don't have to pay for your food? Come on. Yep. So if you're in the Los Angeles area around September 24th, make sure you are there. Check us out. Check out Charles on Twitter at Todd Millie, T-O-D-D-M-I-L-L-I, the new Twitter account because the old one is in Twitter hell. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Check me out on uh, Twitter (laughs) at Work Money Life. Check us out on uh, Instagram at Black Wealth Tweet Talk. Check out Instagram at Bless a Black Man, Instagram at Todd Millionaire, and at Todd Investments. We're about to do some fundraising for Bless a Black Man because, um, and I think it'll be very successful. I'm hoping because I want to I want to start like really actively doing big things for people. Like the, the little money here and there is cool, but I, I want to see what we can do. I want to see if. I mean, we want to put together. There's, it's just, it's just so much that we can do. We could have a clothing bank, like a Thai bank. Um, of course, like maybe like feed people dinner. I want to create a shelter. I want to do so much, but we got to keep people productive. So it's like, if it's a shelter, then you got, they got to work. So they're gonna be mowing the lawn, painting stuff, cleaning the bathrooms, doing all that stuff. But I mean, I, I feel like there's just so much opportunity in that. I'm looking forward to um, just raising raising funds, see what we can do. I mean, it's not going to be one of those situations where you raise funds and it goes to salaries. Like we're raising funds with the sole purpose of giving back, but exclusively to African-American men. Like we already got enough black girls rock. Good for you guys. It's time for us to do some stuff for black brothers. Um, I also want to shout out, of course, like I said before, leave a rating and review. We, we need those ratings and reviews. Help us get the show up. This is such a cool show. Um, also, um, just shout out to our sponsor fam over on the Talk Capital Millionaire podcast. We want to make sure that they get as much love as possible. So that's Hood Estates at Hood Estates on Instagram. Erica Williams at Erica Williams, Erica S. Williams on Instagram. You can also find her on YouTube. Um, REI Leads, who's our new sponsor. And um, uh, I'm an investor, which is trade, uh, trade and travel with Terry and 24-7 watches. So all those people have been rocking with us. I just... I want to make sure that anytime I get a chance to speak that I shout them out so that they get as much plug, plug, as, uh, plug as possible. But it's just great that we can create our own media outlets. Rashonda Scott posted something and she was saying like, we, if you go on, on iTunes, it's just like nothing but dope black podcast talking about dope black stuff. And I realized yeah. we got to create our own media because our own media is going to highlight who we really are. No other community has a vested interest in showing our highlights. They only want to show when we fuck right. up. So it's like, we do it. We take it into our own hands. We have our own radio show now. There's so much power in what we're doing right now with these two microphones. Um, And so we got to take advantage of it and we got to make sure that we get it into as many hands as possible. We we might need to create a page with both of our faces on it because I've found that that actually helps podcasts. Um, When you just have a podcast that's just like a logo, people can't connect with that. They see it, maybe they'll check it out. But if they see us, 
that makes a big difference. So, I mean, let's look at that. I was thinking about that, too, that we need to put our faces on it. Even if it's one of those cartoon faces like they have on uh, Earn Your Leisure, that'd be kind of cool, too. We can try that out. Yeah, like you're saying, um, there's a lot of these type of podcasts that are moving up. Like, Earn Your Leisure just posted on Instagram that they're, like, number 18 on the business charts on iTunes. Yeah, they're there, and they only have like thirty episodes. It's nuts. And then we got um, people over on Millionaire Mindsets podcast. I think they're they're in the top one. They posted they're in the top one fifty. You know, um, there's another good one, a really really good one. Uh, Trailblazers FM. Yeah, I've heard some good good people on that. That's how I met Ace Chapman. He was on that show. Dope guy. Mm. So you know we we we're doing this, man. We're making a dent. We we turning this ship around. And shout out to our um, another sponsor, uh, Mindset Matters Tees. Yeah. Yeah. And looking for more sponsors and more ad affiliates, you could DM me on Instagram at Black Wealth Tweet Talk. And let's just do this. Yeah. Episode episode thirteen. Okay. Okay. Thought you had something else to say. Nah, that was it. All right, so we wrapping it up. Tweet talk. We out of here. Peace.